It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's a privilege to be here. It really is. And, uh, there's a reason we don't let Joe introduce me. <laughs> I might get another word in, but he'd probably have the last word, so we won't do that. But uh, it's, it's a privilege. The first time Judy and I came here, uh, we misunderstood the starting hour, and Ron Thomas was speaking, and we got here just in time to hear Ron. And, uh, but it was a great service. And uh, heard Jason uh, recently, and... Uh, not too far from his father's uh, gifts there, it seems to me. And, uh, you know, I've been in ministry for about 40 years, over 40 years, and uh, been retired now for a few months or a little over a year, and uh, don't get the opportunity to speak often, but when I do speak, I find that what I want to speak about is something that's close to my heart something that's important to me and to my ministry in the past. And, and what I'd like to share with you today is about discipleship. Jesus spent three and a half years of his life discipling 12 men. He said, if you want to be a disciple of mine, you must take up your cross and follow me. Discipleship was of high priority to Jesus Christ, our Savior. And if discipleship is of high priority to our Lord, then it seems to me that it should be of high priority to us as believers, that we might be disciples, and that we might as a church disciple others. And I have found a passage of Scripture that I'd like to share with you this morning. It's from 1 Kings the 19th chapter, beginning with verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said. And then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah said. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant or his servant. May God add his blessings to his holy word. Just a couple of years ago, Judy and I had the privilege of uh, meeting a, a woman that maybe you have heard about in the news. This woman was uh, from the Sudan. Her name is Miriam Ibrahim. I want to say Abraham, but it's Ibrahim. Miriam if you recall, 
about two and a half years ago, was in Sudan, and she was arrested for being a Christian. She was pregnant at the time. Matter of fact, she was eight months pregnant at the time. And because she was a Christian in a Muslim nation, and because she was supposed to raise her children as Muslims, because her father was a Muslim, they arrested her, and they told her that if she did not turn from Christianity and become a Muslim, they would kill her. What a terrible, terrible plight to be in. Miriam came to our church at Emmanuel Church up in Rochester, New Hampshire, and, and she spoke at a, a Voice of the Martyrs conference that we had there. If you have an opportunity to go to a Voice of the Martyrs conference, please do it. It'll tell you what the world is like and how we are protected in America and how many people are being persecuted for Christ's sake in this world as we speak today. But Miriam came and she had her broken English and she didn't speak well, but after that period of time, she became good friends with some people in our church there and we went over to a barbecue with her and her husband, Daniel, and their two children. Miriam was in that prison. She was pregnant with that little girl that she gave birth to in prison. They also had her two-year-old son in the prison with her. There was such a demonstration around the world that the Sudan government finally gave in. They released her, and she moved to New Hampshire where her husband was living at the time. I think about this woman, she refused to give up her faith in Jesus Christ. She was going to probably have her head cut off, lose her children, but she would not recant. She stayed the course. And I don't know about you, but when you come across a person like that, you want to know what makes them tick, don't you? You want to know what they have, because this woman was no super-Christian. She was never heard of before this. But she had a deep, abiding faith in Jesus Christ. And what a joy it was to listen to her as she shared. And so today, I, I look at this woman who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I would like to look at this Old Testament passage. And my message is entitled, A Design for Discipleship. A Design for Discipleship. Way back here in the Old Testament, we see what Jesus was doing with his 12 disciples some 800 to 1,000 years later. The name Elijah simply means that God is Yahweh. God is the one true God. Elijah means God is my salvation. These two men are obviously close together. Great, great prophets of Israel. And the story of Elijah and Elisha is a story of discipling. Elijah was going to disciple Elisha. 
And we see a design for this, this discipleship uh, that we can use today in our lives and for other people. The first thought I'd like to just share with you this morning is this, that a true disciple, a true disciple is dedicated to a person. A true disciple is dedicated to a person. A true disciple is not dedicated to a movement, but to a master. A true disciple is not dedicated to a plan, but to a person. A true disciple is not just a church member, but is a person who wants to give his or her life in service to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look with me in Scripture that we just read, in verse 19 and 20, it says this, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him, and he threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Then I will come with you. Elijah is led by God, obviously, to Elisha. Elisha is out in his field. We can get the idea that Elijah, or rather Elisha, was, was a man of some substance. His father and mother owned a ranch, shall we say. And he was out there kind of as the manager of the ranch, and he had his 12 yokes of oxen. He, he didn't have them all by himself. But he had his own pair, and there were probably 11 other men out there plowing the fields along with him. So there was a lot of plowing to be done. And these men are out there in the hot sun, and uh, Elijah starts to walk onto the field. He doesn't say a word to them. Doesn't say a word to Elisha, it seems. The Bible gives no record, record of it. And he just simply lays his mantle or his cloak on Elisha. That meant something. That meant that was a symbol that he was passing on potentially his office of prophet of Israel to Elisha. Elijah, or rather Elisha, obviously knows who Elijah is, this great prophet. And can you imagine how Elisha must have felt to think, well, why have I got this cloak on me? Why me? What have I done to deserve this? And what he does, you know, once he gets his, uh, his composure, you know, he runs after Elijah and he says, first let me go and say goodbye to my mother and my father. And Elijah simply says to him, he says, what have I done to you? Well, Elisha knew, knew what Elijah was doing. Elijah was giving to him an invitation to follow, to follow him as a prophet. Now, when we think about being a prophet, Elisha says, and this is what we need to understand, is Elisha says, I will follow you. Have you said that to Christ? Of course you have. If you've committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, somewhere along the line, 
If it wasn't in those exact words, you have said, I will follow you. I remember when I was baptized, I remember the song, I will follow you, my Savior, wheresoever thou will go. The idea is I will follow. Wherever you go, Lord, I will go with you. And so Elijah says, you know, come with me once you've done your business at home. And so what we see here in Elijah, or rather Elisha, is this, that he is a disciple of Elisha, Elijah. And, and as a disciple of Elijah, he is saying this, I am dedicated to you. I am dedicated to you, Elijah. Now, when you think about being a disciple of Jesus Christ, as Elisha was to Elijah, you know that it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a lot. What did it cost Elisha? Well, I can tell you this, that it cost him in his reputation. It cost him in his reputation. He went from being the manager of this large ranch, shall we say, to becoming a servant. He had his plans or his life all laid out for him. He had it made. He was born, if you will, with a silver spoon in his mouth. But he gave that up. He gave it up. And so it cost him in his reputation. He went from being someone who was the wealthy, one of the wealthiest people of his region to being a servant. And then relationships. It cost him in relationships. What did it cost him? Well, his mom and dad. He, went, he had to go back and kiss his father and his mother before he left. That must have been hard. Elijah, Elisha is no young man at this particular time. His parents were probably older. Maybe he would never see him again. Scripture gives no rever, uh, evidence of that, that he did see him again. And uh, Elisha moves on in his relationships with the people of the town and so on, they are given up. And then it cost him in his riches. He takes his oxen, he takes the wood from the yoke, and he burnt, makes a fire out of it, and he cooks the oxen, and he gives it to the people. And what he's doing there is he's cutting off, he's saying, this former life is no longer. This former life is no longer. Do you know what conversion means? Conversion means for you guys that have been in the army or the uh, uh, Marines or whatever, conversion means to make an about face. An about face. So Elisha is looking this way and he says, I'm turning from this life and I'm going to follow Elijah. I'm turning and I'm making an about face. So it cost in his reputation, it cost in his relationship, it cost in his riches. Also, I'd like to suggest this, and I came across this verse of scripture as I was looking over this passage. And if you have your Bibles, you might want to look at the uh, Second Kings, the third chapter. And Second Kings, the third chapter, verse eleven. Jehoshaphat is the king, and he says, Is there no prophet of the Lord here, that we may inquire of the Lord through him? See, Israel's in trouble. 
they're in trouble. The Moabites are about to come and, 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 and give war to the, towards them. And he says, Then an officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Talking about reputation. Going from being one who, who was served and who had money and wealth and reputation and relationships, now he is known by an officer in the court of the king as a servant. He's a servant. They remember that there is a prophet in Israel. Because that kind of shows you what Jehoshaphat was like. He didn't know who the prophets were. But that, that's, that, that, that officer in the court said, there is one who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. In other words, his servant. I'd like to suggest something to you this morning. That maybe we could learn from Elisha that before you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ, before you can minister for Jesus Christ, you need to minister to Jesus Christ. There is a difference. To minister to Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a personal relationship. I'm talking about getting into the scriptures on a daily basis. I'm talking about spending time in prayer with the Lord. I'm talking about meditation. I'm talking about being able to say to the Lord, because I have a daily relationship with you, because I walk with you, because I talk with you, Lord, is there any way that I can minister to you? Have you ever thought of ministering to Jesus Christ? Ever thought of ministering to your Savior? Don't you think that helps him, encourages him? We're always coming to him with our, our, our questions. We're always coming to him with our needs. Give me, Lord. But maybe we need to learn to be able to say, Lord, I want to give to you. I want to give to you. I want to be an encouragement. I want to bless you, Lord. I want this to be a two-way street. Elisha learned that. I think that's an important lesson in discipling. That we not only minister for Jesus Christ, but that before we can minister for Jesus Christ, we need to minister to Jesus Christ. And as we minister to Jesus Christ, we have this relationship with him that develops. A close relationship. I, I submit to you, you cannot be a, an effective disciple for Jesus if you don't have that close relationship. The old Puritan uh, preacher, Samuel Rutherford, he said this, he said, it is folly to think that we can steal into the kingdom of God with a whole skin. Now, interpreting that, it simply means this, that following Jesus Christ doesn't mean if following Jesus Christ is just going to church, just fellowship with people of like Christian faith, and not trying to take Jesus into the world that we live in, 
and maybe getting our knees skinned once in a while. You ever skinned your knees? That's what Rutherford's saying. It's hard to get into the kingdom of God without skinning your knees. You've got something that is taking place in your life and you want to share it and it will cost you to do it. Now, now secondly, secondly, not only are we dedicated to a person, but we are disciplined by a purpose. Dedicated to a person and disciplined by a purpose. If you have your Bibles again, or if you have it on the board here, we uh, first uh, go to uh, 2 Kings, the second chapter, and in verses 1 through 8. Now, I'm not going to read this to you, but you can read it as I'm just going to go through that passage real quickly with you. And Elijah and Elisha have been together for a good while. Elisha has seen God use Elijah in great ways. Now it's time for Elijah to ascend into the heavens. Enoch and Elijah are the only ones that do that in the Old Testament. Elijah and Enoch. And uh, Elijah knows that he's about to go. He and God have that personal relationship, you know, that we were just talking about. And so Elijah comes to Elisha one day, and they've, they've traveled to Gilgal. And in Gilgal, Elijah says to Elisha, he says, Elisha, he says, Elisha, I am going to Bethel. And I want you to stay here. You stay here while I go to Bethel. And Elisha looks at Elijah and he says, As sure as the Lord lives and as you live, I will follow you. I will follow you. Okay, well, they go on to Bethel. And when they get to Bethel, Elijah does what he needs to do at, the, at, at Bethel, and he says to Elisha again, he says, Elisha, I'm going on to Jericho. You stay here. And Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will follow you. Come on. <laughs> they get to Jericho, and, and then Elisha says, Elijah says, he says, Elisha, I'm going down to the River Jordan. You stay here. You stay here. And Elisha again says, he says, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will follow you. Come on. And so they go down to the Jordan. They go down to the Jordan and Elisha, Elijah takes his mantle. He hits the water and parts and they go across. They keep walking. And Elijah, Elijah says to Elisha, he says, 
is there anything I can do for you before I leave? And Elisha says, give me a double portion of your spirit. A double portion. Someone has counted up that uh, Elijah had 16 miracles that he did that are recorded in his ministry. It says that Elisha had about 28. Now that's not double, but remember, the miracles don't necessarily mean the spirit. He wanted a double portion of the spirit of Elisha, of Elijah. But here's this man, he wants a double portion. What Elisha said to Elijah is what you and I need to say to the Lord. What I see in you, Elisha says to Elijah, he says, what I see in you, I want. Not only do I want it, but I want double. I want a double portion. When you and I follow Jesus Christ, isn't it somewhere in our hearts the fact of the matter to be? Isn't there something in our heart that says, I want to be like Christ? Yes. Why are we here if not to be like Christ? Elisha wants to be like Elijah. Now there's a point here in this passage that I'd like to bring out to you. Sometimes, sometimes it seems to me, God will try to bring, allow us discouragements in our lives to see how real discipleship is in our lives. Elijah says, stay here. Elijah says, Elisha says, no, I won't. You see, deep down in Elijah is this thought, man, I hope that when I tell Elisha to stay here, he won't. I hope that when I say, stay here, he'll come. I, I think about uh, Jacob. He's about to meet his brother Esau. We were talking about that in Sunday school this morning. He's about to meet his brother Esau. They don't get really get along with each other. Never have, really. Never will. That's a story for another time, maybe. But, but Jacob is all by himself. He, he's gone on from his family, and he crosses over a brook, and he, he's all by himself, and all of a sudden there appears this man. And this man starts to wrestle with him. And they wrestle all night. And the morning is coming, and, and the man that J Jacob is wrestling with, he says, let me go, for morning is coming. And, and Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Unless you bless me. And the man there said, what's your name? He said, my name is Jacob. He says, no longer will it be called Jacob. Your name is now Israel. Your name is now Israel. 
for God has contented, contended for you. You know, when Jacob left that place, he called the place Peniel. And what it meant was this. I saw God face to face, and my life was spared. That was God there. What we call that is a theophany. A theophany is when God takes on the image of another thing or another person, like the burning bush was a theophany. The fourth man in the, in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was a theophany. Here is a theophany. This man, just, just this typical man supposedly that Jacob wrestles with, and he wrestles with him all night, and you know what? It was God that he was face to face with, I believe. Quite frankly, I think it was a pre-existing Christ. And he said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And you know, all along, I think God was simply saying, I hope he doesn't let me go. I hope he doesn't let me go. How sincere are you and I in our discipleship with Jesus Christ? When difficult times come, when hardships come, when testings come, are we going to let go or are we going to hold on? I'll tell you what the desire of Jesus is for you and I is that we hold on. We hold on. And then lastly, a disciple is dedicated to a person. He's disciplined by a purpose or she is disciplined by a purpose. And then that person is dominated by a power. Dominated by a power. Elisha saw in Elijah someone that he wanted to be like. Notice this. I'm going to read this passage, this portion to you in 2 Kings, the second chapter, verses 9 through 14. When they had crossed... Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went, to the he- went up into heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took, up, took hold of his own clothes, and he tore them apart. And when he picked up the cloak, that had fallen from Elijah, he went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. So it's important to notice this, that Elisha's power is related to his master's ascension. Hear that? Elisha's power is related to Elijah going up to heaven. Elijah said to him, if you don't see me, then these blessings will not be yours. But if you see me, they are yours. And when Elijah went up to heaven, 
the mantle fell down and the power was transferred to Elisha. Listen, when Jesus Christ went up to heaven, the Holy Spirit came down. The Holy Spirit came down. And just as Elisha felt the empowerment from Elijah that God passed on through him to Elisha, so you and I today have the power and the person of the Holy Spirit living in us. Elisha, he takes up that mantle. He comes back to the, the brook and he takes that mantle of Elijah's. And there's a school of prophets off in the distance. They're watching. What's going to happen? Will the water depart? They're watching. It's kind of a dramatic moment. And the mantle comes down. And the waters depart. I'll tell you what. He, he had at least 50 50 prophets in school that could give, give credibility to the prophets, the position of prophet for Elisha. You and I, when we accepted Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in us. And I'm telling you this morning that to live the Christian life, it is not a superhuman life. It is a divine life that lives in us. You and I cannot live the Christian life on our own. We do not have that power. We do not have that ability. It is only as Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so when I look at this passage in the Old Testament, long before Jesus began his earthly ministry here, I see in Elijah and Elisha a design for discipleship that you and I can take and relate to our own lives and, yes, to the building of this church for you and for the glory of God. Because a disciple is dedicated to a person. A disciple is disciplined by a purpose. And what is that purpose, by the way? I think the Apostle Paul says it well. He says that in, in Philippians, I believe it's the first chapter, verse 20, he says that, that Christ may be magnified in my life. That's discipleship. That's, that's that driven purpose that we should be living for, is that Christ might be magnified in our lives. In other words, made large in our lives. And then, that a disciple is dominated by a power, the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you might take these humble words and drive them deeply into the hearts of our brothers and sisters and my heart. Help us to be disciples of yours, to follow you. You did not call people to be church members. You did not call people to be good people. You call people to be disciples. Help us to be exactly that. 
and to pass the good news on to the people that you bring into our lives and into the life of this church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.